Yeah, we do pray. And we always read this passage to start. It's in 1 Corinthians. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are fully to him. And he, does not, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so, just like we've been starting the last, oh, I don't know, all the weeks pretty much, um, let's just take 30 seconds and let's pray that God would open our eyes to see uh, the truth in his word because we're totally dependent on him. We can't see on our own, um, just like the First Corinthians chapter 2 says. So, let's just pray. God, uh, just thank you for tonight, and thank you for everyone who came, and just thank you for um, your word, and we're just humbling ourselves before you right now, God. We're totally dependent on you to understand uh, what your word says. Um, I'm totally dependent on you, God, right now uh, to speak your word, and so just fill us with your spirit, God, so we can uh, see the truth you have to reveal to us. Um, Thank you most of all uh, for sending your son and for dying for us when we didn't deserve it. Um, we love you. Amen. Okay, so Philippians, right? We've been in Philippians for a while now. I don't know, six, seven weeks, something like that. So, you guys know the page number, haven't memorized. Awesome. So, does anyone remember what chapter we were in last week? Three. Close. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so we're going to start in verse 10. You ready? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ, and their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Okay, so this, this week we're talking about Philippians 3, which is what we read, and it's actually going to be great. It's gonna be, we're going to be talking about freedom. And so the first thing Paul uh, talks about is he says that uh, he wants to attain the resurrection from the dead, Uh, Not that he's already obtained it. He's not already made perfect, he says. Look at verse 12. He says, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. Okay, 
So what he's saying is, I'm not perfect. Which is great, because remember all those verses we read earlier where he's like, super awesome. He's like, to live is Christ, to die is gain, and all these crazy things that um, I feel like are, it seems like he's standing on a mountaintop, you know, like with a cape flying in the wind, like he's awesome. And, but what he's saying is he's not perfect. And the thing is, none of us are perfect, right? And that's, that's good news in a way. First John 1.8 says that if you claim to know God, um, actually it says if you claim to be sinless, then you're a liar and the truth of God isn't in you. So, disclaimer or announcement, like every single one of us in here has problems with sin. Me and all of you and Brother David and everyone has a problem with sin. And so that's freeing, right? Because I think a lot of times, at least for me, um, I feel like I have to act like I'm okay. And I think for some reason in the church we have this mindset that we can't admit that we're not perfect. Like, I'm sure this happened to you. You guys are in the car with your parents and you're yelling like, come on, I, and you know, you're just having this huge argument and you're yelling and, and there's tears and you get out of the car to come to church and they're like, hey, everything, hey, everything's going and you put a smile on, right? So that, is, that has happened to one of you for sure. That happens to me like with my fiance, you know, we'll be arguing or whatever and we'll get out of the car and then I, for some reason, just flip a switch and I, I feel like I have to put on um, a smile and, and act like everything's okay. But we don't, okay? Because if we say that everything's okay, that there's no sin, there's nothing wrong in our lives, we're liars. And you know that, and I know that, and everyone else here knows that. And so we're freed from having to put on this mask of everything's all right. And that's good because it hurts you. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. I'm not just saying you guys. There's no, I'm not saying there's you guys and there's me. There's me and you guys. We're all in one group here. And, and this is a problem, I think. At least for me it is. Um, and it hurts us to, to pretend like everything's okay when it's not. It's exhausting, right? It's not fun to have to put on a show all the time. It's not, it's not energizing to have to act like everything's okay when it's not. It'll, it'll wear you out. And not only is it exhausting, you're not going to have any friends, like true friends in church, because no one knows you, right? If no one knows who you are, then they're not really your friend. You can't have a deep relationship because you're keeping them off, like keeping them in the distance because you don't want them to know that you have flaws. And so instead of saying um, that everything's great when it's not, um, what you say to your friends is exactly what's wrong. And so when at church you, you don't do that, when I don't do that, it, we're distancing ourselves from people, from making real friends. And it hurts you in that you can't get help, right? There's not help for you when you can't admit there's anything wrong. Um, and so those are three ways that doing this, that putting up a mask and saying everything's all right, or are you struggling with anything, just saying no, um, hurt you because you can't ask for help you don't really have friends and you're going to be exhausted. And not only does it hurt you, and not only does it hurt me when I do it, it hurts others when we do it. Because, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I came to Christ, I could see how, okay, let me restart that. I don't know about you guys, but I could see how some people would think when you come to Christ, everything just changes in an instant and everything's okay. Because if all of us are coming to church and be like, oh no, everything's great, everything's great, and someone else comes to Christ and they look around and they see everyone else pretending like everything's okay, and they still have sin in their heart and in their life, 
they're just going to be like just destroyed because they're going to think everyone else is fine and something's wrong with me. I still have sin in my life. I accepted Christ last week and I repented of my sin, but I still want to do it for some reason. No one else seems like they're having any problems. And so it's going to hurt that person. And maybe you're that person. Maybe you thought everyone else was okay. Maybe you came to Christ and thought, oh, I'm, all my sin is supposed to be gone now. And, and it's not. It's a slow process. Very rarely is it you come to Christ and suddenly everything is all right. So maybe, maybe that's you tonight. So just so you know, you're free now. You, you can admit it and it's not just you. It's all of us. We all have this problem. And when we put on this mask, those people that are struggling really feel alone, right? They're struggling alone because they're not telling anyone and no one else is telling them. And so they think, I'm alone in this. And then they get exhausted and then they can't ask for help. And it's this vicious cycle. And so then they grow up and they become parents and their kids and so on and so forth. And so tonight, you're freed from that, okay? From now on at, at Crave and... Um, whenever you come to church, you're freed. You can now say everything's not okay. And so I do this, and I'm going to try intentionally from now on, when someone asks me how everything is doing, not to immediately say, great. Because I don't even think. When someone asks me that question, I've ceased to even think. Like, is every, how is everything going? I don't even think about it. I just say, great. That's it. No matter what. And so I'm going to commit, and you guys call me out if I do this, if I just start saying great again, I want you to call me out because I don't want to be this person that is always wearing a mask just because it's easier. Honestly, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think that's just what people want to hear. They don't want to hear my problems. But this is church, and and we're a body of Christ, and we're supposed to be walking together, and so they do want to hear. They do want to pray for you. And so Sunday or tonight when someone asks me, how's it going, I'm going to say, Man, it's been really, really busy this week. I'm graduating. I'm getting married. I just started this new job um, here at Crave uh, at First Baptist Lovelada. Um And so, man, it's been really tough, you know? Um, will you pray for me? And that's going to be so much better than just saying, great, oh, it's great, everything's great, everything's great, everything's great. Because prayer works and because um, people are going to actually start to get to know me. And so, now that we've all admitted, and we all know that there's two types of people in here. There's sinners, people who say they've sinned. Hey, let's just do this. If you have sin uh, in your heart, raise your hand. Problems with sin. Okay, so there's us that are problem, have problems with sin, and there's liars that say they don't. There's only two groups, okay? And so we all have problems with sin. Um, so now what? What do we do? We all, we've all got problems. What's the solution? Here's what Paul says. I pre- let's do verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had ma- has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay. So, sin in your life. We've got sin in our life. We all have it. There's two ways to deal with it, and Paul talks about both of those. There's a right way and a wrong way to struggle. And here's the right way. The right way is to push into Christ, to run towards Christ, to press on towards the goal 
of the prize of the upward call of Christ. And so the right way is to set your eyes on Christ and go full bore, like run as hard as you can right towards Christ. The wrong way is to set your eyes on your sin and to say, I'm going to defeat this. Okay? To think, I'm going to manage it. And to think about it all the time and to think of ways, okay, this is the way that I can get, get past this. And um, here's a 10-step list so I can defeat this sin. Um, that's not the way to do it. Let me ask you this question. Let's say, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's say maybe you're an alcoholic or maybe uh, you're, I don't think any of you are alcoholics, but if you are, you can talk about it now because we took off the mask. Um, uh, drugs, um, maybe, I don't know. I'm just going to say your sin and just in your mind insert it, okay? Instead, if you just decide, I'm going to just beat this sin, and all day you think about it, oh, I'm not going to do this, and this is how I'm going to not do it, and when it comes up, you really, really want to do it, but you don't do it. And all day you're thinking about it, and at the end of the day, you didn't do it. You didn't sin. Good job. Are you free? Are you free from that sin if all day all you thought about was not doing it? You're enslaved. You're enslaved to that sin. Because even though you didn't do it, it controlled your whole life. All your thoughts were focused on it. All your actions were trying to avoid situations where that might happen. You're not free. You're, you're just as enslaved. You may have success for a moment. Like, you might not do it. But on the inside, you're still, you're still in chains. There's no inner transformation. And there's only one person that can give that, and that's Christ. Christ is the only one that can give the inner transformation. And that's the good way. The good way to do it is not to look at your sin and focus on it and try and defeat it, um, which, you, which you want to do, but it's not in you to defeat it. We're totally dependent on God. He says, verse 16, no, he says, verse 13, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You're forgetting what lies behind. And what that means is you've got this shame, you've got this guilt, and it's covered by Christ's blood. It's absolutely covered. And Paul says he's running forward because Christ has made him his own. That out of response to the gospel, out of a response, out of love for what Christ did for you on the cross, covering that sin, defeating it, you run towards him. And so you're actively pressing into Christ instead of actively avoiding the sin. He says by any means possible. That means he's sitting down and he's devouring the Bible. He's like, I just want to know Christ more. I'm going to read as much as I can. I want to pray as much as I can. I want to go where I can get closer to Christ. And when you do that, when your eyes are on Christ and they're not on your sin, next thing you know, it's been a week. It's been two weeks and you haven't thought about it. Maybe it's just been a few hours to start with. But little by little, you're going to be moving away from that sin. And it's not going to have bondage over you. Because Christ paid the bill. And the thing is, forgetting what lies behind is important because there's some people, I think, who are just covered in guilt and they can, all they can think about is, I did this terrible thing. And they're wallowing in it. And they think, God will love me when I fix myself up. 
Whenever I get rid of this sin, then I could see how God would love me. But right now when I'm still in this sin, no, God can't love me yet. But I'll, so I'll fix myself up and then I'll accept Christ. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God loves you right now with all your sin. And he paid for it. And that you cleaning yourself up doesn't make you any more attractive to Christ. Because you're covered in his blood either way. When you mess up, he loves you. And when you do what you know is right, he still loves you. You're not earning anything. You've got his love. And so, pray. Pray that God will give you a heart. Change your heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. God will put a new spirit within you and a new heart. He'll take out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. He'll help you to run towards Christ. But maybe we don't know how to do that. Maybe we don't even really know Christ yet. At least not like we should. And so he gives us another solution. If you're in a situation which... There's tons of times when you're in a situation and the Bible doesn't tell you what to do, you know? Like, uh, should I accept this job at First Baptist Church La Plata? Well, let's see. I'll just look in the index, you know, that list of words at the back. First Baptist, John the Baptist. No, that's not it. There are maps in here, but they're not going to tell you exactly where to go, okay? Um... And so sometimes we don't know what Christ would do in a situation. But what he says is, let's look at verse 15. Let, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And so sometimes Christ is so far ahead of us, we don't even know what to do, you know? Like, um, that we can't see him off in the distance. That there's a million steps between him and us. And so, there's, there's good news. Um, there's people around you that can help you that also love Christ. And if you're unsure what to do in a situation, you're unsure what Christ would do, you can talk to them. You can ask them. You can follow them. So that's good news. Uh, and also, now that we are you know, free to commit our sin, we can talk to someone else about it. We can talk to someone who, in all honesty, probably has experienced something similar when they were younger, when, when they were a kid. Even though there wasn't Facebook, you know, whatever, 20 years ago, similar things happened. I mean, you're, you're not uh, all alone. In 1 Corinthians it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And so we can look to older people because they know what we're going through. Okay, and so let's keep going. Uh, let's read verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross, and their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly, th- earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so all that stuff about forgetting what lies behind, forgetting your sin, that Christ has covered your guilt, that is all absolutely true. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's not a get out of free, uh, get out of jail free ticket. Like, oh yeah, Andrew said, just forget, forget your guilt and, and just press on. I mean, don't even think about the bad things you do. 
No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. There's, there's a part to that. That's, the part is following Christ. Okay? And, and when we aren't following Christ, when we aren't setting our eyes on Him, we could be setting our eyes on that sin and just working at that or setting our eyes on the things of the world like these, like these folks he's talking about. It says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. What is an enemy of the cross of Christ? Their end is destruction. Okay? They're going to be separated from God. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. And so what he's saying is their eyes aren't set on Christ. What they're looking for, what they're running towards is not Christ, but their own satisfaction, their body, um, what they want, what their desires are. That's their God. Whatever you value most, that's your God. And this is really telling, isn't it? Because the Bible knows you. Like if God created you, he knows you better than you know you. And he does because this, this is describing high school, guys. Like, they glory in their shame. I know that during the school, the school week, you hear kids talking about, oh yeah, we did this or that. And they're talking about, like, disgusting things that God hates. And they're bragging about it. They're talking about you know, breaking the law. I, I know there's kids that are like, oh yeah, I, I went 125 in my motorcycle or on their car. You know, things like that. It's illegal and, and it's not safe. And they glory in it. And when you're older, you look back and you think, I was an idiot. But they glory in their shame. And there's worse things than that. People get drunk. I, at college, up at Truman State, people all the time are talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking about how they got drunk and how awesome it was. And it's their shame. They're glorying in their shame. vandalism, whatever it is, I know there's people doing this. It knows us better than we know us. The Bible, God, who wrote the Bible. And so the question is, which one are we, right? Are our eyes set on Christ? Or are our eyes set on our sin and, about making, and our goal is to make ourselves better? Or are our eyes set on the things of the world? Or, verse 20, our, or is our citizenship in heaven? Verse 20, And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body and be like, to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. So if you accept Christ, the Savior, who covered your sins with His death on the cross, what you get is freedom for pretending like you're alright. We all know we're not alright. And we don't have to um, act like it anymore. We can ask for help. Because it doesn't really make sense, does it, that the whole gospel, what the gospel is, is saying, I'm a sinner. I need help. I need God's help. I can't do it on my own. It doesn't really make sense that that's what the gospel is and the place where we go to celebrate the gospel is where we try to make ourselves look awesome. At the same moment we're celebrating, God did it all and I, I'm, I'm a wicked sinner. I can't do anything on my own. I can't, I can't do good actions without God. And at the same moment, we're, we're, we're trying to make ourselves look good. That's like hypocrisy at the worst, right? And the worst part is we're blind to it. I was blind to it. I was saying great, 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 great all the time. 
God loves you right now as you are. He loves you. If you've accepted Him, if His blood is covering your sins, He loves you. And that sin, the power of that sin is broken because now you can stop looking at that sin. Okay? You're either looking at it to glory in it or you're looking at it trying to beat it. Either way, you're not looking at God. And now, God has freed you to look at Him and to run to Him. And so, that's it. Let's just pray. And if you want to talk to me or you want to talk to um, someone else, go for it. Um, or you, Maybe you've never accepted Christ. Um, maybe you haven't decided, I want to be looking to Christ. Just pray about it. Um, it's just about giving your whole life to Him. There's not a magical set of words to say. Um, it's a heart change. Ask Him to change your heart. So let's just pray. Um, God, we love you so much. Um, I just want to pray for anyone in here tonight who is um, really enslaved by sin, God. We, we all are enslaved by sin, God. And I just want to pray that you would turn our hearts and our eyes to look at you. Change us. Help us to stop focusing on sin and focus on you. If there's anyone in here tonight, God, who's never decided that you are the best thing in all the world, that you're what they want most more than anything, I just pray that you would change their heart right now, God. I pray that this, what you said in Philippians, doesn't just go in one ear and out the other, God. I pray that next week we don't fall back into this. I pray that it, it sticks with us. We love you, and I just want to ask for your forgiveness, God. Uh, thank you that you did forgive us and you died on the cross, but I just want to admit to you that I haven't been doing this. Uh, I, I haven't been doing this, and I, I want to be looking at you and not trying to look good. Um, so change my heart. And give uh, anyone else um, peace about, about the decision they're making, even right now as they pray, God. We love you. Amen. Small groups.